0: Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at Church. Good times and in the bad that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. That we're here this morning to celebrate something that is sure, a foundation that is concrete and his name is Jesus. So we just give you all the glory this morning. We thank you father we thank you for salvation we thank you for what we've been able to sing about and we thank you for this moment that we have this gift called time father and we just want to give this gift back to you right now and say speak to our hearts speak to our lives do something that only you can do in these moments together and everyone with faith said Amen. amen amen thank you worship team My name's Brad and I'm one of the pastors here and it's great to be with you this morning. This is the, I've decided that after today I'm not coming to church till next year. So this is it for me, uh, over and out after today. But uh, yeah, uh, this is kind of a weird week, isn't it? That weird week in between. Uh, It's sort of the week where you can do a bit of herkle-durkle. Anyone been herkle-durkling lately? That's a new word for some people, Herkel The meaning of herkle just for your information, means to lounge around in bed longer than you should when you should be up. So you didn't come to church for nothing this morning, go back and have a. the ones that aren't here are having a herkle But But um, anyway, time goes really fast and time goes really fast and when you think about this year as we look back, I can't believe it's over basically. Uh, They say that uh, there's seven stages of mankind that we go through. They say we go through spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and then wills. (laughs) Actually, I read a study talking about time, and they said they, they looked at a person's lifespan, and over your lifespan, you'll spend six months sitting at the stoplight, eight months opening junk mail, maybe that's on computer now, one year looking for misplaced objects, I think I'll be like three or four years looking for misplaced, who does that? Uh, two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls, Tag, phone tag, two years of your life doing that. Uh, four years doing housework, I don't know about that one, but five years waiting in line, who loves waiting in line, and six years eating, filling our face. So with all that to say, I just want to say happy same year to you today. You're like, happy same year? Who says? Who says happy same year? we all say, Happy New Year. But truth be told, sometimes we go into a new year and it's just the same year. It's Groundhog Day. It's another year on repeat. We go into it and truth be told, we sometimes experience the same struggles, the same attitudes, the same expectations, the same hang-ups. We get the same results in our life. But I want to tell you this morning that on the authority of God's Word, you can say to people, Happy New Year, if you know Jesus, because God is the God of new beginnings, He gives us a brand new morning and he says with each morning there are new mercies every morning. He is the God of newness. He is the God that wants this new year for you to be full of new victories, new breakthroughs, new miracles, new opportunities, new levels, new attitudes, new visions, new encounters and the new life that Jesus died to give us. Remember uh, John 10.10? Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy and he wants to do that to you for a whole year. Steal your joy, kill your joy, steal your peace, destroy your peace. But Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance, have it overflowing, have it to the full. To me, that sounds like a happy new year. Amen. What did Einstein say on the next slide? He said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting to get different Results. So, in the time we got this morning, I want to encourage you from God's word about how do we make a new year new? How do we just not go into it being the same? I want you to imagine for a second that you each you you were given every day eighty six thousand four hundred dollars into your bank account every day. Wouldn't that be good? Who could handle that? I could handle that. And But the deal was every day, $86,000, $400, $86,400. At the end of the day, it went to zero. And it started again. The next day, you got another $86,400. Now, who knows what you would do if that happened? If you knew that at the end of the day, it would go back to zero, you would... Spend every cent, draw it all out, and not waste a single cent. And I want to tell you, you might not have that every day. If you do, come and see me after. We need to talk about tithing. But if you don't have that every day, I want to tell you, you get 86,400 seconds every day. And every person gets the same amount of time into your bank account every day. And, and what you do with that time that God gives you as a gift is your gift back to God to say, here's the time you've given me. I'm going to draw it. I'm going to use it. And how do we do that in a new year to ensure we just don't go through the same old, same old and start that new year's resolution and then by January 7, it's finished. <laughs> but how do we keep the change, so to speak, from the time that God is giving us? The, the actual um, January... Did you know the month January got its name from Caesar, who named it after the Roman god Janus, who was a two-faced god, one face looking backward and one face looking forward. And that's kind of like where we are today as we enter January. as a moment to maybe reflect back on this last year, but to look forward for what god would have for you and i want to give you a few thoughts from ephesians chapter 5 if you've got your tablets there your screens your devices the bible the written word always good to have the written word amen if you're visiting for, uh, we love the bible here at kalamunda it is what we're our foundation and it's so powerful watch this word come alive here ephesians five fourteen. a guy called paul wrote this to a church at a place called ephesus and he says this part way through his letter he says therefore he says awake You who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly. That's a word we use every day, isn't it? See then that we walk circumspectly. Find out what that means in a second. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the Lord's will is. Four thoughts just about that scripture. Four thoughts about how to make a new year truly new. Something that I'm wanting to do in my life, going into a new year. And I love new beginnings, by the way. I love it. I think I love it. I love a new year, a sense of new expectations, uh, new visions, new challenges. Anyway, here's four things. Number one is to wake up. Wake up," he says. He says that you need to be awake to the truth of Jesus to get His truth on the inside of you like light that shines. Wake up that life is not eternal here on earth, but there is more to come. Wake up that there is eternal life. Wake up that yes, everybody dies, but not everybody truly lives. Some people, we're just existing and we're not living. The word for life is zoe, life. In the Bible, God's kind of life. It's not existence on earth. It's when you get the Spirit of God and Jesus on the inside of you, and you truly come alive to God. You are born again, the Bible says. That's what he said. He said, you know, you die once, but you need to be born twice. You don't need a physical birth. You need a spiritual rebirth. So Jesus said to a guy called Nicodemus, he said, Unless you're born again, you won't truly come alive. You won't truly understand what you were created for. They say there's two most important days in your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why. And when you find out that God has got a plan for your life and you come alive on the inside and you realise that you can be forgiven of all that shame, of all that sin, of all the hang-ups and you can get a brand new start, a brand new beginning in Jesus, He comes alive. But He wants us to be awake to the fact that time is ticking. I love this poem, it says, When I was a child, I laughed and wept, and time crept. When I was a youth, I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still, I daily grew, time flew. Soon I'll be travelling on, time gone. Time stops for no man. Time is out of our control. You can't stop it or slow it down or speed it up. It's an amazing thing, time. And in James, on the on the screen there, the, the next slide, James said this about it, time. He said, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. James is saying that Time is like when you boil the kettle in the morning, and you see that bit of steam, that mist. It's there for a moment, and then whoosh, it's gone. It doesn't hang around. Time is short, and James is saying, "Yes, great to maybe great to make plans, but hey, let's make sure we're awake to the fact that uh, time is ticking. Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift. That's why they call it the present." I was on a website this week called Death Clock. Dot com. If I see anyone look at their screen, I know exactly where you're going right now. DeathClock.com. And you go on DeathClock.com and you type in your age, your weight, your BMI, a few of your habits in life, what you do, how you eat, how you drink. And it will give you a death date that it predicts so you can just plan ahead. So, I went in and I did it, and I sort of cheated the first time because I was a bit scared about the result, lied about some of my habits, my eating, drinking, all that sort of stuff. And it said, hun- I'm going to die at 107 years old in, nine, in 2087. Then I went back and I did it honestly. And I thought, I might as well get a bit realistic and have a look. Um, so, if everyone can book the date, the 30th of January, 2000, and it was 2073, I think. Um, we're planning a funeral for Brad so uh, it's kind of an interesting website but <laughs> it's kind of interesting though to think about it because what it does is if you keep that website up it starts ticking backwards it's got the seconds the minutes you can watch your time and you're looking at it going is this the best use of my time right now I don't know but it, it's a, James is saying it, it's a sobering thing to think about that your days on earth, there's this time and so much time is wasted. This is what the psalmist said in Psalms 39 verse four, "'Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days.'" Let me know how fleeting my life is. Because there are some people that treat life like they're never, like they're bulletproof and they're never gonna die and they don't need to even consider Jesus and consider their spiritual life. And he says, Let me know how fleeting my life is. Verse five, you have made my days a mere handbreadth. Handbreadth, the span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Verse six, surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. Here's the key, but now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is is in you. We have a hope that is not determined by the ticking clock of deathclock.com. Praise the Lord. We have an eternal hope. That's where my hope is. And that hope should then determine how we use our time. See, time is a currency. Uh, That's why we have the saying, spending my time. It's a currency of life. You become what you spend your time on. So let's look at time as if it was like money. Time can be stolen just like money. Have you ever spent some time and thought, man, I'll never get those minutes back? Time can be abused, just like money can be abused. Time can be lost, just like money can be lost. Time can be squandered, just like money can be squandered. Time can be appreciated, like money. Time can be depreciated. Time can be devalued, like money. But you know the good news is, Time can be revalued. And that's what we want to talk about this morning because he goes on to say in verse 16, redeeming the time. Redeem the time. The word deem means to own. And the word re means to go back again. It means to go back again and re-own, take authority over your time. To go back and redeem something means to buy back. I like these definitions here. Uh, says to take ownership or control of your time, to convert into opportunity, to fulfill your purpose, to design your days, to create the value in your life that you want. See, look, why don't you look at this next year of being the, uh, be the architect of a year. Be the architect of your life and do it by redeeming, taking back ownership of your time, if that makes sense. And it takes planning and commitment. And it's something that, that some years I'm a bit more sloppy at, other years really determined. But as the older we get, it's easy. doesn't it feel like time is going faster? And doesn't don't you think if you do go on deathclock.com, you go, man, I want to make the most. That's another translation. I want to make the most of every opportunity with time. I'm not worshipping the time and the temporal here and now, but I don't want to be here for a good time. I want to be here for a God time, yeah? Because it's not going to be a long time. And you're going to be looking back on a whole nother year. In another year's time, we're going to be looking back on Christmas and 2024. And all my prayer is that we look back as a church, as a people of God, and go, oh my goodness, look how we redeemed the time. Look how we bought it back and made the most of it and invested time wisely. We will become what we spend our time on this next year, redeeming it. I remember in 2005 when I was sheep shearing and I decided to make a decision to go to Bible college because it was on my heart that I need to redeem the time. But who knows that Bible college doesn't pay very well. So what I would do was I would do my Bible college at night. I'd get home from work and I'd get down with my, uh, back in those days, big computer, and I'd put in a DVD of the lecture And what I was doing was preparing for the future, redeeming the time, making the most of the time I had, realising I can't just lie around and do nothing. God's got a purpose for my life. What do I do? And it was those things, those commitments of planning and setting up where I would start to redeem the time. What would it look like for you this year to buy back that time, to re-own it again, to go, you know what, there's some hours in my life where I should be investing in what God's got for my life and I'm going to use those hours to do this or to do that and start redeeming your time. Then he says this, he says, walk circumspectly. Great word, circumspectly. That's another word, heckle deckle, or whatever the first one was, I can't even remember now. Circumspectly means to work, think about circumference around you. Think about being alert, it means to walk with alertness. It means to walk, heeding things around you, and to look up, and it's to walk with vision and purpose, and to know where you're going, and to know why you're going there to walk circumspectly is to not be distracted because who knows distraction is the enemy of your destiny often it's not sin that is the enemy of that the devil if he can't tempt you with sin he just get you distracted on good things that aren't the right things not everything this year you should be saying yes to and not everything she should be saying no to. Walking circumspectly is where you know God's plan for your life and you're walking in a way where you're on purpose. The psalmist put it this way. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Number our days. Walk circumspectly. We had a Christmas staff lunch down at one of the coffee shops last week before. And we're walking back from the staff lunch and we're walking through the Calamunda car park and uh, Pastor Joe was next to me, and I was sort of talking to Joe, not really looking ahead around me. And as I was responding to something in that moment, some tradie—if you hear this morning—some tradie had his ute in the car park with this timber and this log head height coming right out, and I just managed to just ma- just bash my head into it as I'm st- whatever, and it just went down for a second, not right down, and I got back up. And I spoke in tongues as the devil gave me utterance. There was no need for interpretation. And uh, I realized I wasn't walking very circumspectly. There were some obstacles in the way. And I'm looking around. And I want to tell you, going into 2024, we need to get our eyes open. Because there is going to be opposition. There's going to be attacks. There's going to be things that come unexpectedly from nowhere. I bet you can look back on the past 2023 and go, man, I I didn't see that coming this year. Maybe there were some things that happened and you're like, man, that just took me by surprise. And that's going to happen. But when it comes to being alert for Jesus to the devil's schemes, we need to be eyes wide open on vision. When I started Bible college in that time of 2005 at night, the first lecture I did, I remember, DVD in. Lecture number one, I sit down, it was summer, and then suddenly out of the corner of my eye, I see a snake come under my bedroom door, office door, wherever I was, into the room around, like that, and then I move the fastest I've ever moved in my life, jump on the bed, and I'm like, sky! Because <laughs> that's what I do when I'm in trouble. Sky, come and help! I don't know what she was going to do. I did. Just get me out of this room. So we got out. Anyway, long story short, um, there was a whole family of Jugites living under our house. We moved out that night (laughs) to another farmhouse. Thank the Lord for my granddad who came out and... uh, sorted, well, he, he sorted that snake out, but he found all these other ones. What, what, what am I saying with that? It said, the devil wants to come like a sneaky serpent to steal your destiny and direction, to get you off track. And this year, he'll be coming in different ways that you don't know. But I tell you what, I, I, still, I still watch that DVD. I still finish my Bible college course. So God wants you to stay on track, walking circumspectly for him. Now, where am I? That's right. There I am. And then he says this. Know God's will for your life. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. His will, God's will is in his word. God's will is not complex. Often we think, I've got what is your will for my life, Lord? His will for your life is just to read his word, do his word, and all the rest will work out. It really is. His will for my life is really simple. If I just cut it down, if I just if I just love my wife as Christ loves the church. That that'll keep. I can chew on that for obedience for the rest of my life. Amen. I've got his will for my life to be a father, to raise my children up in a way that when they're older, they won't depart from the truth. That's enough will of God for my life right now. I've got a full-time job. And so the God's word is not complex. As we do his word, as we live unto the Lord, as we go to work for Jesus, not for your boss. You don't work for your boss. You don't work for your company. You work for another kingdom. Remember, it's out of this world. And its eternal benefits are brilliant. And so you're going and you're following God's will for your life to work heartily unto the Lord. And all the other things where he wants to lead you and guide you will happen, his will. You will know his will for your life. It says, don't be foolish. Don't be unwise, but understand God's will. Who knows God's plans are better than ours? Amen. I love this uh, little quote. I can't remember who said it, but I've written it down. Only one life to, to live it will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. You know that preacher D. L. Moody that changed two continents for Jesus. At one time, D. L. Moody he was a preacher, promoter, and evangelist. He did YMCA work, and he had all these things going on, all these irons in the fire. Anyway, he preached one Sunday night, and he preached the gospel so strong, and he, but he said to everyone that night. At the, at the meeting, he said, I want you to go home for the next week. I want you to consider whether you'll give your life to Jesus. Come back next week. We'll leave you to the, lead you to the Lord. That week was when the great Chicago fires fire broke out and thousands died. And many of those thousands were the ones that he had preached to. And it's recorded that D.L. Moody decided to never preach again without giving an invitation for the gospel there and then. He devoted himself. He said, you know what? He said, I need to focus on one thing, and that is the gospel. And then he shook two continents for Jesus. He preached to more than 100 million people with no internet. And he made a difference. Why? Because he got his one thing. He got his main thing. I want to ask you this morning, what is the thing that God's got for you? Your one thing. For, the, for 2023, as this last text, I'm going to leave us with this last text here this morning. It says Philippians 3.13, because this is the one thing. And around here, Kalamunda, we want to keep the main thing, the main thing. Brothers and sisters... Paul says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, come on, here's a great thing for a new year. One thing I do, which has three aspects. Forgetting what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that. Paul had one thing, and part of that one thing was forgetting what's behind. And that word forgetting, what Paul's using there, doesn't mean I don't remember what happened. The word he's using, forgetting, means what happened in the past does not influence my present or my future. That's forgetting. You know when God said, "I will forget, I'll remember your sins no more. I'll throw them into the sea of forgetfulness." It's not that God can't remember your sin; He says He chooses to, to chooses that your sin will not influence your present or your future anymore. Praise the Lord, He's forgotten it. And so, as we go into a new year, what do you need to stop letting influence your present and your future from the past? And with God's help and God's healing, you can actually. Leave the past in the past, because we have the Passover lamb, Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, that we could have our past totally forgiven, totally a fresh start. Well, that's a great way to start a new year. He says, forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. He said, my focus now is forward. It's going into the future. That's how to keep a new year new, keep your focus forward. You cannot go forward while you're looking back. Luke 9, 62, where Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow, started off, and looking back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Why? Because where your vision is, is where your destination is. What's your vision for a new year? I would encourage you to take January to seek God, to say, God, I know your word is clear, but, but give me a fresh vision for this year of things that you want to do in my life, the one thing that you want me to focus on. Maybe there's something you want me to leave behind and something you want me to strain towards. See, it's the picture of a runner. And I love Paul because he's a sports fan. He's got so much sports stuff in the Bible and punching the air and, 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 and doing it with intentionality. And this runner straining forward to the things ahead, going in a forward direction. And then he says, I press on to the goal. And that word, press on, is a word that means it's not going to be all beer and Skittles. <laughs> it's not going to be all easy. It's not going to be all just, just it'll happen. It's a word similar to the word persecution in the New Testament in other places where it's used. It's a pressing. It means it takes commitment. It takes planning. But most of all, it takes Endurance. Endurance. So I want to encourage you this year to keep the new year new. Redeem the time. Realize that God has given you the power to redeem it, to own it again. He says, I'll restore the years that the locust has eaten, whatever has happened in 2023 that you need to leave behind, redeem going forward. And then endure. I think that's a great word for a new year is to endure. This reminds me of the true story, and I'll finish on, the close on this story, with about in 1983, speaking of Paul's picture of running, there was a thing called, and what used to be, anyway, I don't know if it still is on, the Ultra Marathon. The Ultra Marathon was the biggest marathon in the world. It was 544 miles, about 875 kilometers for us younger people, but 544 miles, it was from Sydney to Melbourne. And in 1983, 150 athletes from all over the world converged on Sydney to this ultra-marathon race. And these people have been training and training. They rocked up in their Nikes and their Reeboks and all their sports gear. And as they're signing up, on that day, stepping out of the crowd was a 61-year-old potato farmer who used to have sheep on his farm and he went up to the, to the uh, sign-up desk, not in his... Uh, sport running shoes, but in Wellington's big boots and in his work clothes. His name was Cliff Young, 61. And they said, Oh, are you here to spectate, sir? And he said, No, I'm running in the marathon. And they couldn't believe it. So they sign him up, the gun goes off, and they all start running. And Cliff Young, you see, he was, uh, they had a couple of thousand acre farm and they had a couple of thousand sheep. The thing about Cliff's farm was they didn't have machinery. So when they had to round the sheep up, Cliff would run around 1,000, 2,000 acres of farm and he would chase the sheep, well, guy after my own heart, chase the sheep and he would run and sometimes it would take Cliff two or three days to get the sheep rounded up and he would run and run and run. Anyway, he starts this race. And they all laughed when Cliff Young started to run because he wasn't so much running because all the runners took off, but he was doing this, what they, what they called a leisurely shuffle. And I can't really do it, I've watched it on YouTube, but this leisurely shuffle where it's like he's not running, but he is running and he's just leisurely shuffling. Anyway, the marathon, uh, in five days and five and a half days later, Cliff Young is still leisurely shuffling and he goes over the finish line in first place. True story. And you're thinking, how did he do that? Well, what actually happened was all the runners that had come to be trained, all their training was exactly the same. They were all trained to run 18 hours a day and sleep for six hours. The problem was Cliff Young never had any training and nobody told him that. And Cliff Young ran for five and a half days without sleeping And he just leisurely shuffled. So at night, all the competitors are asleep and Cliff Young is still going and Hoon and on he would stop to go to the toilet and eat and that was it. And he gets over the finish line and he just kept enduring. And did you know, ah, since then, studies, scientists... Running scientists have now studied and they've dubbed it as the Cliff Young Shuffle. It's a real thing, and all the runners now—you'll see how they do marathons since 1983—has changed because they now model it on a guy who had no training, a guy who had no idea about it, but a run around chasing his sheep. I think that's awesome. What am I saying? What is the whole purpose of that? As we go into a new year, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon and it's about getting a developing a nice cliff young shuffle. Just to keep taking the next step after the next step and just keep enduring. That's what the the, the plan, that's what the winner the winner looks like is the one who endures to the end the Bible says. So I want to encourage you in this new year, find out find your shuffle. Find your groove. Find the way that you're going to get be feeding on the Word of God. You're going to be fellowshipping with other people. You're going to be uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be living a life of surrendered worship and get your shuffle on. We're going to be shuffling. We're going to start a worship song, shuffling. We're going to invent something. Anyway, I'm going to pray a blessing over us. I want to leave you with that word for the last... That's the, sorry, that's, that's the last sermon for this year. doesn't get any better than that this year. That's all we've got. But praise God for this year. <laughs> and... Um, as we go into a new year, I'm so excited. I'm excited for what I believe as a church we're straining to ahead. I see some other people here from, from other churches. We love you, we bless you and pray for you too, that the churches in Kalamunda and around strain towards, move towards the things that God has for us. Would you stand with me as I pray a blessing over us? Then I'd love to join you for a barista coffee in the foyer. Father God, I thank you for every person and I just want to speak a blessing over them today, Lord, as we look at our back And reflect upon the year that has been, Father, and now as we shuffle into a brand new year, 2024, I just speak a blessing of life and life forevermore over every person, over every family, over every church. Father, we pray that the best things are still yet to come in your name. We thank you, Father, for the year ahead, for salvations, for restorations, for people coming to know you, for people getting on fire for you, for the Word of God changing people's lives more and more. And Lord, we thank you that as we look back at this year, we thank you for for being with us all the way through it. And we thank you that you won't leave us for a new year. And we thank you that everything... In everything, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And everyone said, amen. 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 I think we're going to close out with a worship song before some coffee. Thanks.